0: Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ LaFura. Alongside me I've got Brandon Caram and we are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, how you doing?
2: LJ doing good. Um another late night record. Um and well it's really not that late right now. Just past 11. Um I worked at a restaurant and I can say that they did have the Sunday night game on um, at the lone TV at the bar. So every time I walked by, I was checking it out. Saw the Astros pulled out a nice win um, over the White Sox. But yeah, overall, um, I think it was a great weekend of games um, for the league. Yankees and Blue Jays series. Uh, Very good. Yanks win streak ends at nine, but they played a phenomenal game today. Great comeback win for the Blue Jays. Um, And we've got a lot of news to talk about as a lot has transpired um, over the last few days. And um, we got to break this down because there's a lot of different uh, angles and things that we're going to be talking about today.
0: Yep, so we've picked out, I believe it is six stories here, five NL, one AL, and Brandon, where would you like to start? The AL we'll start, or the NL?
2: Oh, I think we'll start with the NL, Um, and we might as well just start right at the top of this list as this is probably the biggest name player we will be talking about today, and that is Mookie Betts um, has hit the injured list as uh, Suffer's what I believe is a is it a wrist or it's a rib injury for Betts. Um yeah, so you know, you have Mookie Betts, who is on um an MVP pace at this point. Um 3.3 war, you know, the 148 way to runs created plus. You already know that he's very good at baseball. We don't need to go over all of that, but Um, Yeah, you know, it certainly hurts a lot for the Dodgers to lose bets, but not as much as any other. it it hurts the least because it is the Dodgers, um, just because of all the other bats and names they have there. Um, And even though he does hit the IL, um, it should be known that the corresponding roster move, um, they reactivate Andrew Heaney from the injured list who had been off to a good start so hurts it really hurts to lose bets but. They get back Andrew Heaney, who um had been, in my opinion, pitching outstanding compared to how he did for the 2021 Yankees.
0: Now, maybe I'm being an idiot, but who got moved, who got bumped out of the rotation here? So if Heaney's set to have started today, yes, he started today.
2: Uh believe so, yes.
0: Yeah, who, who, who's supposed to get this start? That's not important, but for this uh, purposes of this podcast, I'm hey, kind of
2: you know out. what, LJ, let's call up Dave Roberts. Let's ask him. Andrew, he yeah. also today, five innings, one earned run, seven strikeouts. Uh, solid. Even dude's, though- still,
0: dude's still very, very solid. Yeah, I mean, again, partially why I bring this up is because this is the more interesting angle to me than the Mookie Betts thing. That's no disrespect to Mookie, but the only real part that we can talk about and care about is it sucks for the player. It sucks for the guy on on an MVP track. It sucks for a guy, although he's not going to be making really much more money because of this than he already is making. But endorsement deals and overall, you know, breaking out above the pack in L.A. is very hard. I still don't think, I mean, Mookie Betts is on a, As you said, MVP trajectory right now, and he's still not talked about like a lot of the other stars in the league. It's just it's a factor of where he is. So he needs those insane numbers to pull him above that crop. And he can't get those if he's on the I. L, right? That's really the only thing I can feel bad for. I can't feel bad for this team. I am rather aloof to the fact that they lost him just because you know, they're going to bring him in somebody who's just as good, if not um, able to put up comparable numbers for a week stretch.
2: And not only is it just losing him, but also Walker Bueller out two to three months. Um, and n- no one's panicking about the Dodgers. That's what's so insane about this team is you lose your $300 million batter. You're most valuable uh pitcher, I mean, 27 years old, still on um, you know, a nice four million dollars a year deal. Um, you lose him, you know, a potential Cy Young winner in the future in and Walker Bueller, and no one cares. It's just like, okay, Dodgers still have Trey Turner and Freddie Freeman and Max Muncy and you know, the 2019 MVP Cody Ballinger. It's just insane. It's, That's okay. It's insane. it's
0: insane. That's okay. Um, but moving over to another NL West team, Brandon, we've got some Manny Machado news in here as well.
2: Yeah, uh, Manny Machado today suffered what when you go and watch this clip, um one of a very gruesome injury um involving his ankle. He was trying to like beat out a play at first base, um, kind of landed really awkwardly on the base when he hit it. Immediately collapsed in pain, needed to get helped off the field. Um, I believe they called it an ankle sprain, and shocked that it was just a sprain and there was uh nothing broken. But that's certainly very good. Um, yeah, surely good news that he avoided what could have been a fracture. Who knows um, that still doesn't mean that he could be out for, or he couldn't be out for weeks as ankle sprains can keep you out for a while, especially one of the degree um, how it happened today. Um, another MVP level player here um, that goes down and gets in and, and gets injured. Um, and now the Padres, at least for the at least, you know, what well, could be a week or two, That's I'm assuming how, Um, That's how long I'm assuming Manny Machado is going to be out. Um, You know, still no Fernando Tatis. We haven't heard anything. Well, actually, no, we did hear about Tatis the other day. They said that he's been progressing slower than they thought he would. So you have that. Now you pair it with Manny Machado, who's by far been your best hitter this year. Um, And this NL West, these top two teams are just getting beat up. Not to mention that the Giants, I don't know what the hell they've been doing as of late. What is going on with these top three teams in the NL West right now?
0: They're basically all trying to keep making it interesting. At what point throughout this year have any of them really tried to pull away? Like the Dodgers have looked good at great at times, like they should always look, and then they go and you know you start dropping games to uh, Pittsburgh and the like and Philly at home, and so. Like, those are unacceptable losses from them. The Padres start off horribly. The Giants have that horrible middle. And so really, everyone's found a way to not capitalize on their openings. Um, You know, I think the Giants opening, at least, is just starting now. So they can definitely, at minimum, make a run back into this division. It's not- time for the Giants
2: to... It, it's time for the Giants to really show us if if they're real or not. Like, this is when they need to go on a run, in my opinion. It's got to be, like, these next two weeks, like, right now.
0: Are you necessarily – are you willing to say that you're out on this team if they no. don't do that?
2: No. Um, out on them winning the NL West? Like, dude, the the, the NL West is I, – I really think that the Dodgers could be a little bit, um, you know – not okay how do I want to put this the Dodgers could lose this NL West again is all all I'm saying it's not set in stone just because the Padres have been playing um, a little rough um, or excuse me well really not because the Padres had this division lead um, heading into like yesterday morning or something I want to say it's still three games only separate those three teams uh, but yeah no LJ I wouldn't say I'm out but I would certainly not be feeling the best as when you have these, all these injuries happen to the other teams, like you, like, like you just said how they started the season. All right, here's a time where we need to capitalize um, on other things that have happened, you know, things that we don't have control over. Let's capitalize on that because, you know, if you don't, it's going to happen to you and you're going to get a tough injury and you're going to be sitting there thinking, geez, if we only won a couple more of those games or even the Yankees, I think about last year, how many times there was games we could have won LJ, just one more win in that wild card game is in a different stadium. And, you know, who knows what happens? That's why as much as when we're going through the process of the season, we like to say that games don't matter. And because most of the time they don't, It really hurts at the end of the season to see, like, damn, one game just going another way for us changes everything.
0: Yep. Honestly, again, it's this is part of the beauty of this sport, which is the last of a dying breed in America, where more than just the final championship matters, more than that end-all, be-all, you're either a winner or a loser type situation is baseball, where the division still kind of holds a little bit of weight. I'm not out on them as being a competitive team or being a team you should care about and matter, no matter what. I don't think there's a way that this division race can prove that to me necessarily. However, I think if they don't take control of it in the next 20 days, if they don't take control by the time I get back, I'm leaving at the end of this week for a little bit of a hiatus. By the time I get back, if they're not in control of the NL West pretty firmly, they will not be the favorites to take home that title, take home that trophy this year. Like there's, there's not going to be a better opportunity for them.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. Right now, right here is the opportunity. Giants, go and do something with it. Um, we might as well just stick with, with the Giants, right? Yes. LJ, Yerman Mercedes is a San Francisco Giant. And as much as we like to joke around about Yerman, the Giants actually could use a catcher, right?
0: Yes. Sorry. <laughs> a little bit of on there. Late, late night recording. Yerman's
2: that making weird. LJ tired. LJ, I thought Yerman was a roller coaster. Isn't that what we said last year?
0: He is a roller coaster. He very much acts like a roller coaster. First off, give this guy the respect. 68 games, 99 OPS plus last year. That's darn good. for Going
2: guy. through all the mental warfare that he had to go through also that we're not talking about, not even bringing up.
0: What I'm more interested in is Brandon have you done your own Yearman Mercedes check check in since this happened Uh
2: so I want to say I saw him like in the cage on his Instagram a few days ago um But Oh
0: so you you missed the best piece of possibly the best piece of Yearman Mercedes social media of all time him popping champagne bottles after he got claimed by the Giants
2: uh, like this man will never <laughs> that's so awesome this man will never not make me happy how can you now can you get mad at this guy he grinded it out for like 10 years in the minors 29 years old finally gets to debut with the white Sox, and you got your manager getting mad at you because you're hitting home runs now the whole team the whole organization is like we don't need this guy why do we need this guy and he's going to show everyone some late night games in the, on the west coast oh yeah oh yeah lj yeah
0: i mean again in what better situation at least you're on a competitive team again you're on the west coast which is certainly better than being like in the central is that the is that the right term i don't in know in my mind tonight not the even midwest. the midwest i'm i'm talking like central west coast like like colorado arizona Like, I feel like mountain,
2: southwest, okay.
0: Mountain time,
2: yeah, Utah,
0: absolute hell. Like, for like, that's that's the coffin corner for uh baseball players because you've ideally, ideally, you want to be on an east coast team, you want to be on the Braves, the Mets, the Yankees, or the Red Sox. That's the dream. I think past that, your next first, your next choice is going to be the Dodgers. And then past that, it's kind of a crapshoot.
2: I think the Giants and the Dodgers are... I'm sorry, I meant meant the
0: Giants and the Dodgers, yes. Like, they they both have... this. They still have the same New York pedigree, and they're on late enough consistently that they get that kind of prime billing of being the late-night draws. Once you get into the middle there, you're kind of just floating, and no one really cares. Not enough people are up and focused on baseball to see you the people who are up late are going to be more focused on the giants and the dodgers it's just a sucky situation to be in i feel for him i really do except for chris bryant he made his choice but um my point being much better spot for him to be in i'm going insane i'm sorry
2: all right up next we've got we're going to talk about Lorenzo Cain um, and a very nice gesture that the Milwaukee Brewers made. Um, so Lorenzo Cain is struggling this year to say the least. Um, has not been the best. No, However, no. LJ, before I get any further, is it fair to say that he's probably one of the most respected players in the league, Lorenzo Cain?
0: Oh, that's very fair to say.
2: Um, And I believe that that is – very much so evidenced here by what the Brewers did before they DFA'd him. Um, They waited until he got to 10 years of service time in the league. Um, And, you know, well, and I'll explain why that's important in a minute. But, you know, overall, when you look at his stint with the Brewers, this is the team that he made his debut with before going to Kansas City uh, during his prime The Since 2018 with the Brewers, I would say to end your career, fairly successful stint. You're talking a 94 OPS plus in over 450 games, plus elite center field, a defense including the Gold Glove in 2019. I would say a very successful season um, or uh, stint with the Brewers, Um, and they certainly show this back to him as... Once you hit your 10 years of service time in the league, you qualify for the pension from the MLB, which is $7,500 a month for the rest of your life. Um, You only get it once you hit your 10 years of service time, though. And with the way that Kane has been playing this season, 32 OPS plus, they could have DFA'd him a long time ago. But the team stuck it out. They said, hey, you know, the correct baseball move is to probably DFA this guy, but we have morals. We understand that these guys are people too. And why not be able to get him that pension um, after 10 years of service time? And they were actually talking about this on the Yankees radio broadcast this weekend, as Justin Shackle's been uh, filling in for John Sterling. And Shackle brought up that he thinks that, hitting 10 years of service time is actually one of the biggest accomplishments of a player's career. They talked to multiple guys um, who had reached 10 years of service time and they said that that specific day was one of the best days of their entire playing career, which I thought was really interesting. Um just to, you know, just say that you've been in the league for 10 years and honestly, I couldn't be more happy that the Brewers did this for a guy like Lorenzo Cain who we got to see, at least me and LJ dominate um, on the Royals in his prime.
0: Yeah, it's, again, this is such a, uh, it's certainly like understandably special, like, time to be in, such a situation to be in, because, you know, in order to do that, you have to be consistently really good for such a long time. Like, you have to be at the top of your game for an entire decade. And then it's like, how many times have we gone through, we've had multiple shows here, at mile marker d- numbers where we just sit here and we talk about fun things that have happened over the last X amount of shows and just relive some highlights, relive those glory days. Imagine 10 years of those glory days to sit there and talk about all of a sudden you're sitting there on the 10th anniversary of the day you were called up to the bigs and all you, all, how could you not just sit there and kind of think, about all of the wild dream like stuff that's happened for you. Now, has Lorenzo Kane announced retirement? I mean, 36 years old, it's certainly not guaranteed, especially when you consider, I mean, prior to this year, one of the best defensive center fielders in the game every single year. Um, this year hasn't been the greatest, but has he announced anything towards that that you've seen, Brennan? Because I haven't.
2: He said, so it says it's not clear at this time what the future holds. However, he, there's a tweet. He made some comments. Uh, it's a video, so I can't read the comments, but it, it it seems like that he is not gonna be very ambitious to find another club. He was he's more than happy with just calling it quits here.
0: You know, and honestly. I am 100% happy with that. I'm fine yeah, with that. Yeah, especially I'm, if, fine. Especially if I'm Lorenzo Cain because you know, you really do end on a high note here. If you're him. Like how can you be mad about how your career's gone? Everything that you've gotten to do, all the situations you've been put into having a World Series ring is the greatest thing ever and being able to devote yourself to two clubs for your entire career like the uh joke honestly who was it it was paul pogba was the guy that they were talking about in soccer where everyone's joking you know some guys are one club guys others are two club
1: guys
0: (laughs) and i feel like they've gotten very they're very similar um let me try to pull this up real quick yes that's right so paul pogba um midfielder i'm not gonna get too far into that basically he played for a team in england manchester united for his age 18 season, went to Italy and played for Juventus for four seasons, then went back to Manchester United and and has played so far through there. So like that's a very similar track to Lorenzo Kane. Lorenzo Kane goes Milwaukee for his rookie his yeah, that would have been his full rookie service time, rookie season, then does seven years in Kansas City and then finishes up with five more in milwaukee that's just like you know you've really gotten to understand two cities you've gotten to let two cities fully appreciate and love you and both those fan bases are really great ones to be around for that long long a period of time i feel
2: absolutely and you know uh, this guy lj i'm looking at some career stuff here um super super underrated i think so you're talking over 1100 games, almost 1200 career games with an over 100 OPS plus, And that's including some rough seasons um, with the Brewers, like 2019, 2021, 2022, are all um, below that career mark that he's had of 102. Then you bring in the defense, and he somehow only won one gold glove,
1: which is, is, Amazing
2: when you look at some of these, you're talking a 38 war guy in 13 seasons, averaging a little over five per 162 games. In my mind, once you hit the 30 war mark, you uh, I can call you in, uh, you know, I'm gonna say a great career. That's a great career to me over 30 war because you've either had enough seasons at a peak so high compared to the rest of your career that it's like wow like he was performing at a crazy level for those few seasons or you have someone like Kane who is consistently you know season by season seven war three five point five six point nine nice uh two point six you know there's all these great years all these years of at least you know replacement level at the worst and you throw in just all the other great years he's had um, just a great career. That's all I'm trying to say. Great career for Lorenzo Kane. Don't be sleeping on him. One of the better defensive center fielders of the decade and um certainly a guy I'm going to miss for sure.
0: Yeah. I actually really quick, before we wrap up on this topic, um, do want to touch on that 2018 campaign where he goes, uh, I believe that's, yeah, that's 6.9 war for Milwaukee, his first year in Milwaukee with the Brewers. Um, kind of interesting because, you know, this is a guy who's literally he's, he's managing to put up seven war with a 119 OPS plus. Like that's not, that's not the norm. That's not where you're going to see with those type of guys. Keep in mind six is where you really should be theoretically. To be in conversation for the MVP. So he put up an MVP season while only being 19% better than the average hitter. That's how much his defense and his base running and all of those extra things, the little things he's able to do well, that's how they were able to make such a big difference for his team and for himself, that he's able to get such a high number with such not middling i'm not going to say it i'm not going to say a 119 ops plus is middling but it's not a seven war season like i'm much i'm much more apt to uh say you're going to get seven war at 125 than you are 118 to 119 like i feel like that's actually probably my my barrier like am i am i wrong on that like when you get to 125 ops plus that's a really good hitting season oh yeah and so it shouldn't be like that. It shouldn't be the way his numbers are.
2: LJ, you're talking about 2018, where he finishes seventh in MVP. His 2017 season hit over 300, 113 OPS plus, um, a defensive war of one, um, and ends with 5.5 war, which is – that's really good, right? 5.5 war. You should at least get something out of it, right? Like all-star game – a singular MVP vote, maybe even the gold glove because you were so good in the field. How about nothing? How about literally nothing for 155 games in a 5.5 war? Not a single voter in 2017 thought that he was a top 10 player in his own league and he had 5.5 baseball reference war.
0: I, I think I can make a case that he was probably – snubbed of two to three all-star appearances as well like
2: yeah only two all-stars for him is is criminal criminal for a 38 war player two all-star games
0: unbelievable but we do have a couple more things on here do. A, another potential 38 career war player is coming up to the pittsburgh pirates
2: Yes, O'Neal Cruz has finally gotten the call from the Pirates in what has been, or well, he was called up last year, but in what has been some of the most egregious, obvious service time manipulation um, that we've ever seen in the league. um, You know, it it only took him um, being a top prospect for multiple years. um, I mean, yeah, the hitting in AAA was There was certainly more to to ask for, but I feel like he's done enough in past seasons in the minors to at least warrant a call-up earlier than June 19th. Um, However, you're talking a 6'7", 220-pound, I believe, yeah, left-hand hitting shortstop. Um, Just a 6'7", shortstop is crazy to me. It reminds me of the guy um, that Charlie goldsmith one of the beat writers for the reds who we had on the show earlier this year told us about ellie de la cruz in the red system who is a six foot uh i believe he said he's six five as a shortstop but yes o'neill cruz does play um shortstop they have him also listed at third base and a little bit of outfield but what looks to be one of the pirates top hitting prospects um other than uh, Key Brian Hayes, and in my opinion, should slot in pretty well. He's 23 years old. Um, I- I'm excited to see what he can bring to the table. The fielding is obviously not going to be all there just because of his size, but we've heard so much about his hitting. You look at some of these seasons he's had in the minors. The stats have been really good, so um, really nice to see O'Neill Cruz finally called up um, and see the Pirates finally realize that uh, even though – you're bad. Calling up O'Neill Cruz is not going to make you a World Series contender. Which I I think that that's what they thought was going to happen. They were scared.
0: Brandon, this this is I'm not trying to call you out here. This is a not not my favorite take
2: of yours. Uh, how is it not, serve... LJ? How he,
0: is it not service time manipulation? Like oh, how is June. it
2: every it is other? Top, so every other team that sucks, they called up their top players. Uh, bobby witt jr mj melendez all the other guys the royals call up and then they can be not even close to what O'Neill cruz is at right now they can be younger have worse stats be worse like uh, i just uh, i don't know what it, it just seems a little too obvious to me here that that's what the pirates are doing especially a team that has been notorious for doing it in the past
0: yeah but i, I don't see it at this point i think once you get past mid-May, certainly Memorial Day, I throw the service time manipulation situation out the window. Look, though there, there is clear markers and clear indicators. These teams don't try to be subtle about service time manipulation. Never have been. As soon as they can get these guys up, they do. This is a very odd time to be bringing a guy up because of his service time numbers. There was clearly more they wanted to see out of him before they brought him up. And either they saw it or they haven't quite seen it, and they've given up on trying to see it before he comes up. And so if they didn't think he's ready, I'm more apt to trust the judgment, especially when, as you're saying, as much as you're saying, he's not going to make them a World Series contender right now, he also, like, you also don't want to waste that time. Like, you don't want to waste his development. You don't want to hurt him by putting him into that situation Let him take his time because you're not in a rush to be all that competitive. You're not a rush to have an all-star shortstop.
2: No, you know, that that is certainly true. Um, uh, I think my best argument here is that you have the minor league hitting stats already. And sure, the fielding, that's that's always the team's excuse is that he wasn't ready fielding. We we saw some stuff we didn't like with the fielding. It's what they said about uh, glaber Torres and Chris Bryant. But what all these guys have in common is what they did in spring training. And you can't just throw O'Neill Cruz's spring training just out the window um, because he was hitting tape measure home runs, was crushing the ball. Let me see if I can find his uh, stats for spring training, actually. But I remember that that's why this whole thing came up, because they – Thought that, you know, if, if he's hitting the ball so well um in spring training and is one of the top prospects in the league and has been crushing it in the minors, you know, why is this guy not in the majors? When you see, like I said, Bobby Witt Jr. and Julio Rodriguez and Hunter Green and guys that are ranked so close or even behind him and are younger than him. Um, You know, that's I think that that's my real argument. Let me just pull up these spring training stats. Yeah. Three thirty three batting average 733 slugging um, over the, the games that he played in spring training.
0: Yeah, that's certainly a situation. Excuse me. Um, I got to check something real quick.
2: I'm not saying that you're wrong though. Cause look, you are right. The teams, they, it's not it like they, they tried to hide it in the past, but all that's also because they knew that they could uh, just completely leave it out there in the open and that no one would care. And then finally, Um, it was, I'm sure it was a player that was like, or whoever was like, Hey, like, you know, we're actually getting screwed like out of a lot of money because you want to give us a fourth year of arbitration or whatever it is. Um, no, we, we, you know, we don't want this. Um, but,
0: and let the record show also, as you say, the defense is the excuse. He does have 16 errors this year
2: no and and you know and that's what i said like when you're that size and you are playing the infield it's certainly not going to be the best thing but there's a dh in the nl now, so and the, the the pirates don't have a and
0: that's that's great that's great for your potential young superstars development immediately shelve them at dh
2: jordan alvarez it worked out pretty good has worked out pretty good
0: it it, it has I just think those are very different situations. what What sure, yeah. came into and what O'Neill is coming into. Uh, did you have anything else? I think I'm also on O'Neill Cruz, but yeah. we have one more topic here, and that is the comments of Michael Lorenzen. He was in a heated battle on the mound. Actually, that's not that's that's not good words to say right now. That's, paraphrasing. Um, he was pitching. Justin Upton was at the plate. He ended up hitting Justin Upton inadvertently, obviously, in the head with a pitch. Um, of course, you know no one wants to see that type of thing happen, but you know sometimes you can't um not that you can't avoid it, but like stuff happens. He might anyway, Michael Lorenzen ends up going out and starts talking about the baseballs again. This is the first time, Brandon, this is the first time in a while we've talked about our balls. Now, after all of this work that they've done, all this tampering they've done to make sure you know our primetime games they get plenty of action, but the rest of them are bad. All the, all the rest of the regional games are bad enough to keep the numbers evened out and everything. Well, now Michael Lorenzen's coming out here and trying to say that the balls are too slick and that now, especially without the spider tack. They need to do something to give a little more grip on the ball. Brandon, I'm not sure where to take this because, you know, Justin Upton's a pretty standout guy. I'm not going to say that this is an excuse by any means because there's really, I couldn't imagine for any reason that Justin Upton would be getting hit by his former teammates. But like, where do you go from here? Like, how did they how did they manage to screw this up why are they screwing it up weren't they trying to pre-tack the balls as well
2: so that's in the minors they one of the leagues in the minors is testing pre-tacked balls um and and you know this all of this is coming from the league that announced that yes indeed in 2021 there was two different types of of balls used that's literally what the MLB admitted you can go look that up the MLB has fully said in 2021 there was two different types of balls it's also uh, I don't want to say okay it's not a coincidence that this year the primetime games are just insane it's just not you know small sample size of course but it's it's just not um I'm not gonna dismiss any of Lorenzen's comments because why should I? When the league is open, openly okay with just screwing around with the balls, um, and not really caring about how it affects, uh, you know, the pitcher's grip, really anything else. I don't know why they feel the need to screw around with it. What I want to know is that. Because we all know prior to 2019, so LJ, if if we're going to make a timeline of the balls, prior to 2019, there was nothing different. Between like 2000 to 2018, there's nothing, right? Because 2019 is the first year we see, or is the year we see just that insane spike in homers. We're never going to get to that point ever again. 2019 is the first year that we see that. Before that, I'm willing to bet that all the balls were mostly the same. And since we have StatCast data since 2015, that can mostly back that up. Since 2019 and on, I have no idea what's going on with the balls and why the MLB felt such a drastic change needed to be made in 2019. And then they realized that they screwed it up. So they tried to revert on that. Back in 2020, they screwed up again. 2021, they screwed it up again. 2022, they screwed it up again. I mean, this is four years in a row that we are complaining about the one piece of equipment that's actually needed to play the game, other than a bat, and that's the ball. In LJ, you know, we're we're not gonna, we're trying not to sound like a broken record, and you've heard us on the show say it every time we bring this up, but. I feel it needs to be said again. MLB is the only league that owns the manufacturer of their main equipment, which is the ball. NFL does not own Spalding, right? Or what is it? Is it Spalding for NFL? I don't Spalding
0: know. Spalding for
2: NBA. It's,
0: yeah, it's definitely Spalding for NBA. Hold on.
2: NFL ball. In... I'll
0: get, I'll grab it. You can keep going.
2: No, it's just like You know, if the NBA, the NBA isn't out here saying, okay, so Wilson, Wilson, okay, so it's the NBA is not Adam Silver is not like, yeah, guys. So you know, since we own Spaulding now, we're gonna make all the basketballs, Um, and you can look at what happened back in two thousand and five or two thousand and six. The NBA changed the ball for a year. And I believe they changed it like start of I forget what season they did. It was it was recently they changed the ball um, and the players hated it. So I'm not going to ever complain about an MLB player with a league that open, openly does not care about manipulating the baseballs. I'm never going to complain about a player getting mad over it because it's it's bullshit. This should not be happening. This this puts the credibility of the league significantly lower just to the casual fan no the casual fan sees this and they're like wait they can't even regulate the baseball they can't figure out what's wrong with the thing that they produce they make this it's it's unbelievable
0: and i don't i don't know what to say as a fan of baseball anymore because how can you trust the product Uh, I pulled up the full quote here. I don't know what Major League Baseball is playing with these baseballs, but that fully slipped out of my hand. It's just crazy, man. As a kid, you think Major League Baseball is the greatest thing ever, and you get here and you realize, what are they doing? All of a sudden, they're going to change the baseballs. I know Gosman had an issue in Toronto, so it's a league-wide thing. These balls are slick. They did get someone hurt, so that's on Major League Baseball for sure. I don't know what's going on. These baseballs are straight out of the package. I mean, I don't know. I just, it's so frustrating because I've never seen and I never thought I would see a league that cares so little about the integrity of its own sport. And here, here these issues come with the slipperiness, whether it's in, I don't know if it's intentional, like something they tried with the baseballs this year, knowing that this might be an issue or something that came by accident. But for their own selfish deeds, they got lucky that this happened this year instead of last year. Can you imagine if the balls were slipping like this last year? And Was all of a sudden, fighter
2: had- attack and all that, or after that?
0: I'm talking about before, after anything. My point more so is pre CBA, because this would have been the thing to rally the players. No, like. Yeah. As a, as a pitcher, if the bo- it's one thing if the ball's juiced or dead because that's affecting half the player base either way, positively or negatively. That's gonna divide them. And frankly, I think that did a lot of harm to the players' associations. Cause in this last round of negotiations was the fact that you know so much was dividing the players, the hitters, and the pitchers. But a slick ball. No pitcher wants that because they don't want to hurt somebody. They also want their numbers to be decent. They don't want to be hitting guys and having control issues. Hitters, I'm pretty sure the number one thing they don't want to be doing is getting hit with the baseball at 90-plus miles an hour. So this all of a sudden unites them. I don't see how, if this isn't shown as a legitimate issue, they cannot push for more regulation on how the ball is made or even the full-on full, full on sale Of the company, because honestly, that's the only is that even a solution at this point? I don't know. I'm just at this point, I'm partially over it because this sport has had no integrity in the last 30 years. So why should we expect it to be any different?
2: You're absolutely right with that last part. You know, you can read into this, but in 2002, the league tried to get rid of two teams, not expand, but contract. Just completely dissolved two franchises. Thank God it didn't end up happening, and they just ended up relocating one. But it's just all you need to know. The they also there's there's so many things you know. We should actually have an episode where we can go into some of the stuff that Bud, Bud Sealing did. But this dude, the more that I read about Bud Sealing, the worse of a commissioner I think that he was, and. He's better than Manfred, but that's not saying much. And, you know, it's – there's there's a lot that, that we could get into. That.
0: And it's tough too, right, because the other commissioners of the other leagues have – there have been bad ones, but somehow they always manage to follow it up with somebody that hits it out of the park. Now yeah. here we are with back-to-back – horrifying messes
2: well kind of a negative episode honestly but that's the news today <laughs> that's our news um lj do you have anything else tonight
0: no i am all right i'm all i'm all set all
2: right well we have power rankings tomorrow yes. in person yes oh yeah in person episode tomorrow um check us out instagram twitter tiktok at mlb daily pod and we will see you tomorrow with our week 11 power rankings
0: um i think this is 11? the week 10 of 10. this is week 10 of it because 10. we we started it the week after we did player yeah. of the week
2: week 10 hey double digits
0: double digits it's the 10th week anniversary of Them, I'll be daily power rankings. We'll see you. See you manana.
1: dinner.